Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, let's get into our show. On today's show, we have the privilege of two guests. Robert Childs and John Roberts. Welcome, guys. How's it going? Hey, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, beautiful, cold San Francisco right now. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for being here. Here is a little bit about Robert and John before we get into the interview. Robert founded a credit repair company in 1990, and by 2012, he grew his business from just two employees to over 560 employees. In January 2012, Robert sold his company to a large bank for a seven-digit figure, Robert's credit repair company processed over 5,000 new clients per month with revenues that reached $65 million in annual sales. John has worked in the credit restoration industry since 2015 and has helped thousands of consumers with credit issues along the way. He has demonstrated excellence in the credit industry as director of business development, and he has also served as chief operations officer for companies in both the credit restoration and debt settlement industries. And together, we have the co-founders of the Debt and Credit Guys. So Robert and John, I'll let you both take it from here. And could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourselves and what you currently do? Definitely. Yeah. Well, John, and I co-founded uh, debtandcreditguys.com because we looked at this thing saying that with COVID being around here and, you know, 50 million people losing their jobs around the country by next year. Wow. We're going to see a lot of people with credit issues and drowning up in debt issues, you know, bad debts, you know, charge off collection debts. And you so said, there's got to be a pillar between the real estate mortgage industry and the consumers, people looking for this information. So we put it all together in one spot. We all do what we do a lot of education webinars, training videos, soon to be face to face again once uh, everything this virus uh, you know finishes up, if you would, hopefully next year, and get to a point where we can train the consumers about the do's and don'ts of credit, debt, what to say, what not to say when being harassed by a collection agency. So we put together debtandcreditguys.com and it's a training platform again, to give people information at like a one-stop shop about their choices. You know what? I don't want to do bankruptcy. I just want to be able to work out. And there is major life after bad credit. You don't have to avoid bankruptcy. You don't have to file for bankruptcy, all that stuff to get people back on track. And it doesn't take years, just months, you know, literally months to get that credit back in great work in order. All right, John, do you want to do a little intro about yourself? Yeah, John Roberts, very privileged to be working with one of the foremost experts in the credit industry. His name is Robert Childs. You've just been introduced to him. I love working with him. We're here to help people. People are hurting and we have solutions. Perfect. Well, we're going to talk to the debt and credit guys about debt and credit for consumers today. But first, a very, very simple question. What is a FICO score? A FICO score, Kyle, is a three-digit mechanism called a three-digit score 
that the credit bureaus enacted many, many years ago. It goes back to like probably the late 1970s. And it's a three-digit score that goes as low as 350 to as high as 850. Obviously, the higher that number is, the better, lower risk you are to the banks, lenders, business loan companies, you name it. And so an average score, I would say literally about 88% of the country is going to have scores somewhere between 599 and less. Out of 350 million people is a large, huge number of that. Reason is charge off debts, collection debts, couldn't pay their bills, foreclosure. That happened 10 some odd years back with the real estate bubble crash burst, if you would, and people just not plainly not paying their bills. You know, So everything from a small lack of laziness up to, hey, it's not my fault. I got laid off. So the three-digit score that ranges from on the classic system, not to confuse it with the new scoring system called Avanta scoring, but you know, five, 350 to 850. As you may know, less than 5% of the country's got all scores above 800. You know, so it's very rare to see that. But if someone has a score of 720 and higher, great stuff. Out of three credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, most lenders will take the middle of the three scores to say, this is what you are, your credit score is. So the higher it is, the better off you are. Okay. What is that other score that you mentioned, the, the new score? And is that tied in the same way as FICO? It's not. It's called Advanta scoring. And think of it like grading on a curb. You know, when you're in high school or junior high school, saying that, you know, if half of your class gets a C and only a small percentage gets an A or a, or a B plus or A minus, teacher grades your paper on a curve, which means it gives a better chance for the C plus students to get a B minus or B plus. So it means that where 350 to 850 is a score range for old classic FICO, the advantage scoring goes from 501 to 990. So in the realm of advantage scoring, which not too many people, lenders are using these days, not even car dealerships. 825 would be more like a 675 in the FICO mm. world, just kind of okay. give you a comparison. So it's, it's not the same. So why is your FICO score so important? Oh, wow. All types of things, you know, better rates, lower payment. I mean, myfico.com says you increase a national credit score by only 10 points. You can reduce a national mortgage payment by hundred bucks a month. Again, California is more expensive than Arkansas or any other place, but average is out. You know, it could increase of only 10 points on a national scale, can reduce a national mortgage rate by 100 bucks. It's probably more like 200 in California, but it's very, very imperative that, you know, you're going to be a less of a credit risk to those lenders. What are some ways to improve your FICO score? I think, you know, for me, I know of them, but they're difficult to do. You know, a lot of people just don't know enough about how to improve their score and what their score means. What are some ways to improve it, but, you know, not over the long term, something immediate? Hey, some easy solutions for that. One is called a secured credit card. So simply you're paying a small deposit in which the bank will hold for the time being in which you're being evaluated by utilizing that credit. Very simple. You're usually not going to be receiving a very high balance on that card, but it's a great starting point to build that credit. A second great way is what it's called becoming an authorized user. So you're going to find a very trusted friend, relative, perhaps even a great coworker who will allow you to be what's called an authorized user. You're going to look for somebody that has at least five years on that credit card and a minimum of $2,000. And what happens is, is you actually adopt their whole history on that credit card. So authorized user, I've actually done it myself. It's a great way to really boost your credit very quickly. A third way is what you want to do is take a look at any current open credit cards that you have that are inactive. Maybe perhaps you've got a, an account that you haven't used in a year or so. What you want to do is reactivate it by using that account. And that will 
greatly boost your score. And these things happen very quickly. Last, you want to take a look at any high balances that you have on any of your credit cards and pay them down. If you can get down to zero, great. The closer to zero, the better. All four of those ways will boost that credit pretty quickly. Is it true? I've got some friends that do, you know, the credit card hacking with the points. And so they have all these credits, uh, lines of credits open. Is it true that by canceling cards, your credit actually goes down or is that a myth? Oh, very, very true. Now, not all the time. So I'll give you an example. If you have a, let's say a Visa MasterCard from 20 years ago with the bank, I won't name banks, and another one major credit card 10 years ago. So you have one 10 years old, 20 years old. Let's say they both have a 5,000 limit for the sake of argument. And you close one of them. Not only you're giving up that extra $5,000 in availability, but also a 10-year history. Credit cards are 30% of your score or about 200 of your 700 points. And length of credit history is another 15%. So between both of that's 45%, nearly half of your score. So let's say you close that 20-year-old account. You're going to shorten your length of credit history by 10 years. Will it kill your credit? Yeah. It will, you know, on top of that. Now, what I meant by that 30% or 15%, the human element known as an underwriter looks at your debt, known as debt to income ratio, DTI. So it says, you know, Carl, you got this much debt, this much income, your credit scores, blah, blah, blah. And on top of that, your scores adjusted by how much debt you actually have. So the human element looks at the actual dollar debt known as debt to income. The credit bureaus do not care about your dollar debt, not even the interest rates. They take a look at the total percentage of availability at the end of each month on your combined credit cards. So for instance, if you had two credit cards at 5,000 limit, one's maxed out, the other one's not, you have a 50% debt ratio or 50% available. So in that same example I said a moment ago, if that zero debt $5,000 limit credit card is 20 years ago and you close it, the ceiling caves in on the floor. So it means that on paper, if you close that credit card, it's paid off and 20 years ago, and the other one's max out 10 years ago, you lose not only your 50% availability, what you have left over, but on top of that, your debt actually goes up and and you shrink your length of credit history. It's like a slap slap against your FICO score. So in that same example, you probably lose about 150 points on average. It could do some serious damage. So as Susie Orman may say, or uh, Dave Clark, these financial gurus on TV, on radio, mostly true. Don't close all revolving accounts. I don't care if it's a Macy's from 20 years ago. Do not close it. Unless it closes on its own, that's different. It's a softer hit against your score. But don't you close it. Say close by consumer request on the credit report. It will kill your credit. What are some other ways that you get you know, negative items on your credit score that impact your, your credit? Well, late collection accounts. A late can't be put on your credit report legally under the Fair Credit Reporting Act law until it's a full 30 days like the following month. So in other words, if your bill's due November 1st and you pay it November 10th, late fee will be assessed on the credit card account. But if your bill's due on November 1st and you pay it December 2nd, then a, a late shows up because you have a full month that you've missed. So th- that's what happens. Of course, if someone doesn't pay their credit card bill or mortgage or whatever it is for several months, it goes 30, 30, 30, 60, 60, 60, 90, 90, and then charged off after six months or foreclosure. So it's imperative that people don't know that, hey, if I, I get paid here, my due date's here, we'll move your due date out more so it gives you more time to pay it on time, Mr. You know, Mr. Consumer. They don't, people don't know. You can move your due dates any part of the month, except for mortgages. They give you a two-week grace period or 10-day grace period. But imperative to know that by moving your due dates and not having any lates. I've seen a credit reports this morning where the guy had rolling lates from December of last year right up through November. 
Robert, can we hire you for credit restoration? No, because we know you're going to have more leads in December, January, February on, and we'll be spinning our wheels. You're going to have, so collection accounts, not paying your accounts on time or better, just not paying on period can also result in collection accounts, which will have a negative adverse effect on your credit scores. How can you legally remove some of these negative items from your report? FCRA, Fair Credit Reporting Act, written by Congress as early as 1971, that says three things. Anything that's inaccurate, erroneous, or can't be verified. Inaccuracies mean a possible identity theft. You know, So it means that if you're a victim of identity theft, that's a webinar subject for another time. But things that can't be identified or can't be verified. So something can't be verified, meaning that even if you, Kyle, charge up a credit card for $10,000 and don't pay the bill, it's your fault for getting in the debt. But something along the lines of the next several years, when it gets charged up as a loss, it's inaccurate. Either the balance is incorrect, charge update's incorrect, data last activity, open date, report date, something along those lines, just about a dozen of them. It says if one will hairs out of place, it's got to be removed under FCRA. The Fair Credit Reporting Act all says anything that's inaccurate, erroneous, or can't be verified must be removed permanently. Perfect. So if you do find yourself in a situation with a, a collection agency, I mean, obviously you get in situations where they do hound you, they'll call you all the time. How do you deal with these? One thing is when you're dealing with collection agencies or law firms that got hired by the creditor or collection agency to come after you is never, ever admit it's your debt when talking with these guys because they're being recorded for quality assurance. So people get nervous and they say, you know, first off, a collection agency can't threaten you. They can't trick you. They can't call you from, from an unknown or block number. They have to call them from the actual number that it's an 800 number or 855 number or a total local number. They can't call you from what they call a spoof number. So if a collection agency calls that individual, never admit it's your debt. First, they'll verify you. You know, is this Kyle Mitchell? Yes, it is. The last four of your social, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it is. Your date of birth? Uh-huh. Yes, it is. What can I do for you? Well, there's an outstanding debt with a bank. You owe $5,000. How are you going to pay this? Well, there's three things that are created that consumer has a right under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, known as an FDCPA. So not to confuse it, FDCPA has to do with the consumer and the creditors. FCRAs between the consumers and the credit bureaus. Think of it like an upside down triangle. So never admit it's your debt. Never say, how much did I charge? How much do I owe? Say, use yourself in a third party. How much is owed on this account? How much you say was charged on this account? So if a consumer is being harassed by a collection agency or a debt buyer known as that they, they buy the debt from the bank or whatnot, I would actually face it instead of trying to avoid them because there's known what they call FDCP F-Siri violations. And John and I work with a handful of lawyers that will sue the creditors and credit bureaus where we've seen people collect thousands of dollars in a financial settlement because of harassment and violation of FDCPA FCRA laws. I know it sounds kind of boring when I say this, but usually you can look this thing up. And what I just said in the last two minutes, only 1% of the country knows this stuff. So if a collection agent calls you or a debt buyer calls you or a law firm calls you, really you want to say one of three things. Number one, I need to see a copy of original application bearing my signature. Number two, I need to see a dollar for dollar breakdown of what you say is owed on this account. Not what I owe, what is owed. And number three, Mr. Debt Buyer, when did you buy it? I only see proof of when you purchased this debt from the original creditor to establish a timeline of if they're outside the statute of limitations. So if they can't produce that within 30 days and you have to do it in writing, within 30 days or less from today's date, for example, after 31 days, they're in violation of FDCPA, we'll get you a lawyer that works on a contingent basis, We'll sue them. And I've seen people collect eight, nine, 10, 15, 16,000 bucks, you know, with, with violation of. So even if it is your fault, 
and you owe that $5,000, if the violation is big and serious, not only the whole debt's going to be waived and taken off the books, it'd be deleted from your credit report usually within five to 10 days, calendar days, and the consumer may actually be eligible for a, a four-digit, maybe a five-digit settlement within a month. So you know, we fight fire with fire when it comes to these aggressive collection agencies. Now, on the other hand, if you got served legal papers by a law firm, I'll tell that story at another time, but there is a way that people can actually you know, work around that because if you don't respond to a lawsuit summons, like you've just been served legal papers at your front door, you have to respond. If not, a default can go against you automatically. Is there a correct time and a wrong time to settle a collection account? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good stuff. So the best time, of course, is this time of the year. Of course, you know, they want to clean the books off of for 2020. But based on there's two factors, date of last activity or charge off date. Now, the exception to the rule are student loan, federal student loans, taxes and child support payments. They can take 20 years, 10, 20 years. But all of the debts, utilities, credit cards, cell phone bills, you name it, there's a four-year federal statute of limitations. So look at your credit report and says, Mr. Consumer, the charge-off date happened five years ago, date of last activity, four and a half years ago, whatever it might be, whatever is more recent. What does that mean? Charge-off means the bank says, we gave up on it. So if it's greater than four years and that person receives a collection letter or even a phone call from any of these bad guys, they're in violation of harassment laws, let alone FDCPA or FCRA violation laws. You're talking about a fine on top of fine that the consumer will be paid on top of that. So the largest violation and settlement I've ever seen was $25,000. You know, came with, came with big bank. I won't name the, <laughs> the banks on the airway. So if the date of last activity, which means the last payment made or charge update is more than four years old, legally, they can't call you anymore. So if it's five years old in that example, by making a payment, you're not only going to re-age it on your credit report, Kyle, but on top of that, that whole four years starts all over again, back down to zero. Ah, so that's the wrong time to do it. Wrong time. If it's two, three years old or so, yeah, go ahead. So, because a lot of lenders don't know that saying, Kyle, I need you to settle that $5,000 debt before, based on debt to income ratio, you're declined right now, but we need that show in zero. So call them up and settle it or pay it in full. But they don't know, hey, it's already five years old. So there's a thing called a pay for delete. So if you can get the creditor, because after four years, you're doing them a favor by calling them. Mr. Clash Agency, listen, I, I'm trying to close a loan to buy a home. So I need this thing deleted and I'll settle with you at the same time. So I'm doing you guys a favor by calling you today saying I'm willing to settle this debt. So for example, if you owe 5000 you know what? I'll give you two grand right now to settle it. But before I give you this 2000 bucks, I need a deletion letter. So never ever pay them any, I don't care if it's a year old or, or 10 years old, Kyle, never pay them. They're willing to delete it, a pay for delete. Get a pre-settlement letter, pre-settlement deletion letter before you transfer the money to them. Second, never give access to your bank account. Do it Western Union, mail them a check or cash your check. Don't let them debit out of your account. That's the biggest mistake. So you know whatever it is, but make sure before you pay them that you get a pre-settlement deletion letter. Because at the end, after paying it, if they fail to give you the final deletion letter, you have a letter already that says, hey, we'll take care of that. Send to the credit bureaus. They'll come right off the report. So make sure it's a pay for delete. What are some other ways you can improve your credit score? Great stuff. Of course, John talked a little bit about a few of them. Of course, paying down revolving debt. You know, I mean, Fair Isaac says, or myfico.com says that if someone has max out credit card debt, you know, I'm not talking about department stores. I'm talking about major credit, Visa, MasterCard, Amazon, Discover. If you're maxed out 2000 or more and you make the minimum payment for six or more months, you'll lose about 100 points over that six months. 
I'm not even talking about past due, late, or over limit, just being maxed out. And the person makes a minimum payment for six or more months to lose. It's like a pair of stairs. And they'll lose about 100 points. So keeping revolving debt low, credit limits high, old accounts, old, never closed accounts. Another thing that they can do is take a look at open but inactive Macy, Norsham type of accounts. Had a client just recently, he had a tire store account from 2013, 1200 limit, but hasn't been used in six and a half years. He woke it up. Not only he added additional 1200 limit to his bucket of limits, but he added additional few fat in his credit report by adding additional seven years of, of credit history. His score dropped 110 points in 10 days. See, so by activating, by how do you know if it says open on the credit report, but inactive? Call up Macy's, call up your know, tire store, call up a jewelry store account. Is it still open? Yes, it is. It, it, was it open in 2003? Uh-huh. Great. Send me a new card. And by using it, it'll wake it up and you can add some serious length of credit history, heights and limits, length of credit history, which can have a positive trampoline effect on your FICO score. Wow. That's awesome. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Sure. Yep. Go for it. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Bullpen. Bullpen is an online marketplace where you can find and hire top-notch commercial real estate analysts on an hourly or part-time basis to support your deals. The analysts on Bullpen have various skill sets from office brokerage in Topeka to multifamily development in New York and everything in between. We use Bullpen as a second set of eyes on all of our underwriting. Find your next analyst using Bullpen at www.bullpenre.com. Use our promo code APT Capital when you sign up to receive a hundred dollar credit towards your first hire. All right, guys, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Credit, 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 credit. I'll keep saying that. My head's going back and forth like Easy a bottle, like a bobblehead. You know? <laughs> Credit, credit. You know, good credit's the key thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's companies out there that don't really care if you're investing or flipping property or something like that. You know, they, they base it on your, your performance using that loan company or whatnot. That's fine. But it comes to the day, you need good credit. That's the thing that people can't do without. You're really much a nobody without good credit. <laughs> Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners? Oh, yeah. Yeah. John will tell you one too. I flipped a couple of properties during this bad economy years back and I was a novice. Didn't know what the heck I was doing. I mean, I own property up here in the Bay Area, San Francisco, which is very, very expensive. And probably I started investing back in 1989. Like I said, probably when you guys are sucking on your thumbs, but the biggest mistake I had doing a flip. I, did, I flipped two properties. I lost 60000 on one and I made a ton of profit on another because I didn't do my due diligence. I was so excited to do this. Oh my God. You know, I was in my early 40s and now I'm 53. Can you tell? Gray hair. But guys, do your research. You know, if you're going to flip the property, if you're new at it, maybe team up with someone that can be trusted, that has experience doing this thing where you can split the profits, do research. That's the most important thing is that, you know, don't get caught with your pants down. And I have the same point, but a different story, very short. I was young and foolish, had a beautiful home next to a golf course in a very nice city in Southern California. I was too interested in being entertained and getting close to a lot of activity. I sold my house without doing my research. The very next year, it tripled in value, tripled. I was very, very sad. So takeaway, you really, really need to think about what you're doing and how it can affect you for many years if you make the wrong real estate move. Absolutely. What is it that you both need to do now to grow your life to the next level? 
for the consumer and people listening today, check your credit often. You know, please make sure it's squeaky clean. Make sure you're not a victim of identity theft. People remember three years ago, October 2017, Equifax got hacked. It affected half the country. A year later, I had a lady call me saying her five-year-old daughter got affected by that hack because they used her social security number to get credit cards. Check it often. You know, tell people, you know, stay on top of their credit game and hopefully, you know, it'll give you better rates. I mean, you know, like I said, go up, you go from 620 to 720 FICO in California. You can save a thousand bucks a month on your mortgage payment. And I've got a little different slant on that question. I would just say, be honest, be sincere, treat people great every day. And um, that's going to take you far. Can I agree more? And finally, guys, where can people find out more about you? Hey, we make it easy www.debtandcreditguys.com, www.debtandcreditguys.com. I'm John Roberts. You can also contact me directly, area code 949-371-8899. Again, it's 949-371-8899. And you can also reach us on our podcast page. That would be debtandcreditguys.podbean.com dot com debt and credit guys dot podbean dot com. If you go to our website, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Anything to add there, Robert? Well guys, you know, keep your credit, you know, dancing high, be informative, check your credit at least monthly with a good monitoring service. Very, very important to know that. You know, like I said, guys, we offer free webinars. Love to teach anyone that has questions, you're welcome to give us a call. We give free credit consultations. We have four services that we offer. It's on our website, credit repair being one of them. And most importantly, we give free consultations for anyone who's just looking for advice. I don't care if someone wants to call us. You know what? I'll tell a client how to do it themselves for free. Be prepared to spend 15 hours over the next 30 days you know, per month, but it can be done. John and Robert, that was great stuff. Lots of great information for our listeners. So thank you for that and for being on our show. Lalita and Kyle, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.